today, the content could be a little more mature for audiences. So please, ask someone before listening to this video. It's mature and may be uncomfortable for some viewers. Viewer discussion is advised. Be cautious. This is more for adults. Or for those who get permission. I just wanted to get a disclaimer that this episode may contain conspiracy theories about weed pills. Spoiler alert. Could be mature. Please. Do not listen if you do not want to have any spoilers. I am reviewing different shows, movies, TV shows, so if you do not want to hear any spoilers, please exit now. And I hope you all enjoy this podcast. I'm ready and excited to get going. Okay, today... The content could be a little more mature for audiences, so please, ask someone before listening to this video. It's mature and may be uncomfortable for some viewers. Viewer discussion is advised. Be cautious. This is more for adults. Or for those who get permission. Okie dokie, artichokey, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon and with the ad coming up soon i know y'all might want to skip it but you should at least try to listen to some of it maybe it's important i hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast and i hope the ad and sponsor is a good one artichokey okay dokey artichokey ad break it's now do you think kindergarten is too unsettling for Elle? All this toughness, a bad grammar, and this Charles boy sounds like such a bad influence. It'll be alright, my husband said. Bound to be people like Charles in the world. Might as well meet them now as later. On Monday, Elle came home late, full of news. Charles, he shouted. As he came up the hill, I was waiting anxiously in front of the steps. Charles, Lori, Ellie yelled all the way up the hill. Charles was bad again today. Come right in, I said as soon as he came close enough. Lorraine is waiting. You know what Charles did, he demanded, following me through the door. Charles yelled, so in school they set a boy in from first grade to tell the teacher she had to make Charles keep quiet. And so Charles had to stay after school and so all the children stayed to watch him.
what he what did he do i asked he just sat there lauren said climbing into his chair at the table hi pops y'all dust mop charles had to stay after school today i told my husband everyone stayed with him what does this charles look like my husband asked Al waits his other name what's his other name He's bigger than me, Al said, and he doesn't have any rubbers and doesn't even wear a jacket. Monday night was the first parent-teacher meeting, and only the fact that the baby had a cold kept me from going. Al remarked suddenly, our teacher had a friend come to see her in the school day today. Charles' mother, my husband, and I asked simultaneously. Nah, Al said, scornfully. It was a man who came and made us do exercises. We had to touch our toes. Look, he climbed down from his chair and squatted down and touched his toes like this, he said. He got solemnly back into his chair and said, picking up his fork, Charles didn't even exercise. Okay, I can tell you this much right now. Charles is a little handful, but... I don't know if Charles is really Charles. I feel like he's made up, but we'll have to read the rest to find out. That's fine, I said heartedly. Didn't Charles want to do exercises? Nah, Al said. Charles was so fresh to the teacher's friend, he wasn't let to do exercises. Fresh again, I said. He kicked the teacher's friend, Al said. The teacher's friend told Charles to touch his toes like I just did, and Charles knocked him. What are they going to do about Charles? Do you suppose? Lauren's father asked. Lauren shrugged. Throw him out of school, I guess, he said. Wednesday, a Thursday for routine. Charles yelled during story hour and hit a boy in the stomach and made him cry. On Friday, Charles stayed after school again, and so did all the other children. With the third week of kindergarten, Charles was an intensive in our family. The baby was being a Charles when she cried all afternoon. Al did a Charles when he filled his wagon full of mud and pulled it through the kitchen. Even my husband, when he caught his elbow in the telephone and pulled telephone ashtray and a bowl of flowers off the table, said after the first minute, looks like Charles. During the third and fourth week, it looked like a Reformation in Charles Lauren reported grimly at lunch on Thursday of the third week. Charles was so good today, the teacher gave him an apple. What I said, my husband and I added, really? You mean Charles? Charles, I said, he gave the crowns around and he picked up the books afterwards and the teacher said he was her helper. What happened? I asked. Interestingly, he was her helper. That's all, Al said and shrugged. Can this be true about Charles, I asked my husband that night. 
Could something like this happen? Wait and see, my husband said, cannonly. When you've got a Charles to deal with, this may mean he's only plotting. He seemed to be wrong. For over a week, Charles was the teacher's helper. Each day he handed things out and he picked things up. No one had to stay after school. The PTA meeting next week again. I told my husband one evening, I'm going to find Charles' mother there. Ask her what happened to Charles, my husband said. I'd like to know. I'd like to know myself, I said. Huh. On Friday of that week, things were back to normal. You know what Charles did today? Elle demanded at the lunch table in a voice slightly awayed. He told a little girl to say a word, and she said it, and the teacher washed her mouth out with soap, and Charles laughed. What were his father asked unwisely, and Elle said, I'll have to whisper it to you. It's so bad. He got down off his chair and went around to his father. His father bent his head down, and Elle whispered joyfully. His father's eyes wondered. Did Charles tell the little girl to say that? He asked respectfully. She said it twice. Elle said, Charles told her to say it twice? What happened to Charles? My husband asked. Nothing, Elle said. He was passing out the crowns. Monday morning, Charles abandoned the little girl and said the evil word himself three or four times, getting his mouth washed out with soap each time. He also threw chalk. My husband came to the door with me and everything as I sent out for the PTA meeting. see how a PTA meeting invited her over for a cup of tea after the meeting he said I want to get a look at her if only she's there I said prayfully she'll be there my husband said I don't see how they could hold a PTA meeting without Charles mother at the meeting I sat restlessly scanning each comfortable mantorally face trying to determine which one hid the secret of Charles None of them looked at me. Hanged enough. No one stood out in the meeting and apologized for the way her son had been acting. No one mentioned Charles. After the meeting, I identified and sought out Lauren's kindergarten teacher. She had a plate with a cup of tea and a piece of chocolate cake. I had a plate with a cup of tea and a piece of marshmallow cake. What is marshmallow cake? Someone tell me. Please. Now I want to look it up. We menued up to one another occasionally and smiled. I have been so anxious to meet you, I said. I'm Elle's mother. We're all so interested in Elle, she said. Well, he certainly likes kindergarten, I said. He talks about it all the time. We had a little trouble adjusting the first week or so, she said primarily. But he's a fine little helper with occasional laps, of course. 
Oh, usually just very quickly, I said. I suppose this time it's Charles' influence. Charles? Yes, I said, laughing. You must have your hands full in that kindergarten with Charles. Charles, she said. We don't have a Charles in the kindergarten. I knew it. He's Charles. I was right. I was right. I was right, 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 right. I like being right in stories. And then other times I'm bored of it. It was 8.30 in the morning. The twins were loading over their cereal and Mrs. Walpole, Walpole with one eye on the clock and the other on the kitchen window past which the reasonable irritation that comes of being late on a school morning the wedding wadding through morals feeling of trying to hurry children you'll have to walk she said enormously for perhaps the third time the bus won't wait i'm hurrying jude said she regarded her full glass of milk smugly i'm closer to through than Jack. Jack pushes glass across the table and they measured meticulously, pricelessly. No, he said, look how much more you have than me. It doesn't matter, Miss Walpole said. It doesn't matter, Jack. Eat your cereal. <coughs> Excuse me. Did she have any more than me, Mom? Alarm clock had not gone off at seven as it should. Mrs. Whirlpool heard the sound of the shower upstairs and calculated rapidly. The coffee was slower than usual this morning. The boiled eggs a shade too soft. She had only had time to pour herself a glass of fruit juice and no time to drink it. Someone, Jude or Jack or Miss Whirlpool was going to be late. Judy, Mrs. Warpole said, initially, Jack, Judy's hair was not accurately braided. Jack would get off the window without, off without his handkerchief. Mrs. Warpole would certainly be irritable. The yellow and red bulk of the school bus filled the road outside the kitchen window. Judy and Jack streaked from outside the kitchen window, and Judy and Jack streaked for the door. Cereal, uneaten, books most likely forgotten. Mrs. Warpole followed. Followed them to the kitchen door calling, Jack, your milk, money, come straight home at noon. She watched them climbing into the school bus. Okay, I didn't go to, see, when I went to school, you could not um, go when you were in elementary school and middle school to uh, lunch at your house. That wasn't a thing. So I find that very interesting that this was a thing. Even my grandma said, yeah, in her time period, they were allowed to. Um, when I went to school, you had to be 18 or your parents had to sign you out to go eat off campus. Or if you had, like, study hall and you wanted to go eat and they're like, okay, just sign yourself out early. 
and they didn't care because it was like the last period they're like oh yeah this isn't gonna get against you so like it didn't like go against the high schoolers but in elementary school we were not allowed I don't even think Jade's allowed okay check your milk okay she watched them climb into the school bus and then went briskly to work cleaning their dishes from the table and setting a place for Mr. Walpole. She should have to have breakfast herself later. In the breathing spell that came after noon o nine o'clock, that meant her wash would be late getting on the line, and if it rained that afternoon, as it certainly might, nothing would be dry. Mrs. Orpole made an effort and said, Good morning, dear. As her husband came into the kitchen, he said, Morning. Without glancing up at Mrs. Orpole, her mind full of unfinished sentences that began, Don't you think other people have any feelings or stated patiently to set his breakfast before him? The soft-boiled egg in their dish, the toast, the coffee, Mr. Walpole devoted himself to his paper. And Mrs. Whirlpool, who wanted desperately also to say, I don't suppose you noticed that I haven't had a chance to eat, set the dishes down as softly as she could. Everything was going smoothly, although half an hour later, when the telephone rang, the Whirlpools were on a party line, and Mrs. Whirlpool usually let the phone ring her number twice, before concluding that it was really their number. This morning, before nine o'clock, with Mr. Walpole not halfway through his breakfast, it was an unbearable intrusion, and Mrs. Walpole went regularly to answer. Hello, she said, forbidding, dyinglingly. Mr. Mrs. Walpole, the voice said, and Mrs. Walpole said, yes, the voice, it was a woman, said, I'm so sorry to bother you, and gave an unrecognizable name and Mrs. Whirlpool said yes again. She could hear Mrs. Whirlpool taking the coffee pot off the stove to pour herself a second cup. Do you have a dog? Brown and black hound. The voice continued with the word dog Mrs. Whirlpool in the second before she answered yes. Compared the enormously aspect of owning a dog in the country. Six dollars for a spray, spraying the rude barking late at night, the watchful security of the dark sheep sleeping on the rug beside the double-decker beds in the twins' room, the invulnerability of a dog in the house as important as a stove or a front porch or a subscribe to the local paper more and above any of these things. The dog herself, known among the neighbors as Lady Whirlpool, on an extra pair with Jack Poole and Jude Whirlpool, quick, compete, external, and found it none of them a reason for such an early morning call for a voice which she recognized now was as irritable as her own. Yes, Mrs. Whirlpool said shortly, I own a dog. Why? Big brown and black hound, ladies' pretty markings, her odd face, yes, Mrs. Whirlpool said, her voice a little more impatient, yes, that is certainly my dog. Why? He's been killing my chickens. The voice sounded 
this by now. Mrs. Warple had been concerned. For several seconds, Mrs. Warple was quiet. So that voice said hello. The perfect irrational Mrs. Warple said, This morning, the voice said with relief, Your dog was chasing our chickens. We heard the chickens at about 8 o'clock, and my husband went out to see what was the matter and found two chickens dead, and he saw a big brown and black hound down with the chickens, and he took a stick and chased the dog away, and then he found two more dead ones. He says, the voice went on flatterly, that it's lucky he didn't think to take a shotgun out with him, because he wouldn't have any more dog. Most awful mess you've ever saw. The voice said, blood and feathers everywhere. What makes you think it's my dog, Mrs. Borpo said weakly. Joe White, he's a neighbor of yours, was passing at the time and saw my husband chasing the dog. Said it was your dog. Old man White lived in the next house, but one to the Warpoles. Mr. Wo Mrs. Warpole had always made a point of being curious to him, inquired, Ambitiously about his health when she saw him on the porch as she passed had regarded re she saw uh, respectfully the picture of his grandchildren in Albany. I see, Mrs. Whirlpool said, suddenly shifting her ground. Well, if you're absolutely sure, I can't believe it of a lady. She's so gentle. The other voice softened in response to Mrs. Warpler corrected. It is a shame, the other woman said. I can't tell you how sorry I am that it happened. But her voice trailed off significantly. Of course, we'll take care of the damage, Mrs. Warpler said quickly. No, no, the woman said, almost apologetically. Don't even think about it. Of course, Mrs. Warpler began bewilderedly. The dog, the voice said, you have to do something about the dog. And sudden, unable terror took hold of Mrs. Whirlpool. Her morning had gone badly. She had not yet had her coffee. She was faced with an evil situation she had never known before. And now the voice, its tone, its influence had managed to frighten Mrs. Whirlpool with a word like something. How, Mrs. Whirlpool said finally, I mean, what do you want me to do? Okie dokie, artichokey, it's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon and with the ad coming up soon i know y'all might want to skip but you should at least try to listen to some of it maybe it's important i hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast and i hope the ad and sponsor is a good one artichokey okay dokey artichokey ad break it's now
There was a brief silence on the other end of the wire, and then the voice said briskly, I'm sure I don't know, Mrs. I've always heard that there's no way to stop a chicken-killing dog. As I say, there was no damage to speak of. As a matter of fact, the chicken, the dog-killing, are plucked and in the oven now. Mrs. Whirlpool throat tightened, and she closed her eyes for a minute, but the voice went inflexibly on. We wouldn't ask you to do anything except take care of the dog, naturally. You understand that we cannot have a dog killing our chickens. Realizing she was expected to answer, Mrs. Whirlpool said, Certainly. So the voice said. Mrs. Whirlpool saw over the top of the phone that Mr. Whirlpool was passing her on his way to the door. He waved briefly to her and she nodded at him. He was late. She had intended to ask him to stop at the library in the city. Now she would have to call him later. Mrs. Whirlpool said sharply into the phone, First of all, of course I'll have to make sure it's my dog. If it is my dog, I can promise you, you'll have no more trouble. It's your dog, all right, the voice had assumed the country flatness. If Mrs. Whirlpool wanted to fight, the voice implied she had picked just the right people. Goodbye, Mrs. Whirlpool said, knowing that she was making a mistake in parting from this woman angrily, knowing she should stay on the phone for N. Internable apology conversation trying to beg her dog's life back from this stupid, inflexible woman who cared so much for her stupid chickens. Mrs. Walpole put the phone down and went on into the kitchen. She poured herself a cup of coffee and made herself some toast. I am not going to let this bother me until. After I have had my coffee, Mrs. Whirlpool told herself firmly, she put extra butter on her toast and tried to relax, moving her back against the chair, letting her shoulders sag. Feeling like this is at 9.30 in the morning, she thought it's a feeling that belongs with 11 o'clock at night. The bright sun outside was not as cheerful as it might be. Mrs. Whirlpool decided suddenly to put her wash off until tomorrow. They had not lived in the country town long enough for Mrs. Whirlpool to feel the disgrace of washing on Tuesday as moral. They were still city folk and would probably always be city folk. People who owned a chicken killing dog, people who washed on Tuesday, people who were not able to fend for themselves against the limited world of earth and food and weathered that the country folk took so much for granted. In this situation, as in all such others, the disposal of rubbish, the weather sharpening, the baking of angel food cake, Mrs. Whirlpool was forced to look for advice. In the country, it is extremely difficult to get a man to do things for you, Mr. and Mrs. Whirlpool had hardly fallen into the habit of consulting their neighbors for information which in the city would have belonged properly to the superintendent or the janitor or the man from the gas company. When Mrs. Whirlpool's glance fell on Lady's water dish under the sink, 
and she realized that she was incredibly depressed. She got up and put on her jacket and a scarf over her head and went next door. Mrs. Nash, next door neighbor, was frying donuts and she waved a fork at Mrs. Whirlpool at the open door and called, Come in, can't leave the stove, said Mrs. Whirlpool, stepping into Mrs. Nash's kitchen, was play painfully aware of her own kitchen with the dirty dishes in the sink. Mrs. Nash was wearing a stocking cleaning house dress and her kitchen was fully washed. Mrs. Nash was able to frying donuts without making any sort of mess. The men don't the men do like fresh donuts with their lunch, Mrs. Nash remarked without any more problems than her nod and investigation to Mrs. Warplet. I always try to get enough made ahead, but I never do. I wish I could make donuts, Mrs. Warpole said. Mrs. Nash waved the fork hospitably at the stack of still warm donuts on the table, and Mrs. Warpole helped herself to one, thinking this will give me indigestion. Seems like they all get eaten by the time I finish making them, Mrs. Nash said. She survived the cooking donuts, and then, satisfied that she could look away for a minute, took one herself and began to eat it, standing by the stove. What's wrong with you, she asked. You look sort of peaked this morning. Tell you the truth, Mrs. Whirlpool said. It's our dog. Someone called this morning that she's been killing chickens. Mrs. Nash nodded. Up to Harris, she said. I know. Of course she know by now, Mrs. Whirlpool thought. You know, Mrs. Nash said, turning again to the donuts. They do say there's nothing to do with a dog killing chickens. My brother had a dog once killed sheep. And I didn't know what they didn't do to break that dog, but of course nothing would do. Once they get the taste of blood, Miss Nash said, lifted a golden donut directly out of the frying kettle and set it down on a piece of, of brown paper to drain. They get so they'd rather kill them. <gasps> Oh, then eat hardly. Excuse me. But what can I do, Mrs. Whirlpool asked. Isn't there anything? You can try, of course, Mrs. Nash said. Best thing to do first is to tie her up, keep her tied with a good salt chain. Okay, I'm going to stop there for a minute. Yes, this is a horror book. My thing is this. Don't do that. Yes, you can chain them, but don't chain them all day where they're stuck on a chain and they can never do anything. Get a fence. Get a doghouse. Get a chain. Get the house. Make sure you know where your dog is. Don't let your dog just wander around. I don't know, like, if country people do it like that. We live, I want to say, urban? Suburb? Urban area? And we don't let our dog run around and do crazy stuff like that. Get a gate. Get it locked. Do other stuff before you chain it up all day, poor thing. But let's continue. You going down street? I want to do my shopping before the kids come for lunch. Don't buy any store donuts, Mrs. Nash said. I'll run up later with a dash full for you. You get a good shout chain for that dog. Thank you, Mrs. Warpole said. 
the bright sunlight across Mrs. Nash's kitchen doorway, the solid table bearing its plates of donuts, the pleasant smell of the frying pan, were all symbols somehow of Mrs. Nash's safety, her conflict confidence in a way of life and a security that had no traffic with chicken killing, no city fears and absence and cleanliness so great that she was willing to bestow its overflow on the whirlpools, breaking the donuts and overlooking Mrs. Whirlpool's dirty kitchen. Thank you, Mrs. Whirlpool said again, in to quickly. You'll tell Tom Kinger I'll be down for a pork roast later this morning. Nash's Nash said. Tell him to save it for me. I shall, Mrs. Whirlpool hesitated in the doorway as Mrs. Nash waved the fork at her. See you later, Mrs. Nash said. The old man White was sitting on his front porch in the sun. When he saw Mrs. Whirlpool, he grinned boredly and shouted to her, Guess you're not going to have any more dog. I've got to be nice to him, Mrs. Whirlpool thought. He's not a terror or a bad man by country standards. Anyone would tell on a chicken-killing dog. But he doesn't have to be so pleased about it, she thought, and tried to make her voice pleasant when she said, Good morning, Mr. White. Gonna have her shot, Mr. White asked. Your man gonna get a gun? I'm so worried about it, Mrs. Whirlpool said. She stood on the walk below the front porch and tried not to let her hatred show in her face as she looked up at Mr. White. It's too bad about a dog killing that, Mr. White said. At least he doesn't blame me, Mrs. Whirlpool thought. Is there anything I could do, she said. Mr. White thought, believe you might be able to cure a chicken killing dog, he said. You got a dead chicken and a tie it around the neck dog's neck, so he can't shake it loose, see, around her neck, Mr. Whirlpool asked, and Mr. White nodded, grinning toothlessly. See, when he can't shake it loose at first, he tries to play with it, and then it starts to bother him. So, he tries to roll it off, and it won't come, and then he tries to bite it off, and it won't come, and then... When it sees it won't come, he thinks he's never going to get rid of it, see? And he gets scared, and then you'll have him coming around with his tail between his legs and this thing hanging around his neck, and it gets worse and worse. Mr. Warpool put one hand on the porch railing to steady himself. What do you do then, she asked. Well, Mr. White said, the way I hear it, see the chicken gets riper and riper, and the more the dog sees it and feels it and smells it, see the more he gets to hate chickens, and he can't even get rid of it, see? But the dog, Mrs. Whirlpool said, lady, I mean, how long do you have to leave it around her neck? Well, Mr. White said with enthusiasm. I guess you could leave it around until it gets ripe enough to fall off by itself. See the head. I see, Mrs. Whirlpool said. Would it work? Can't say, Mr. White said. Never tried it myself, his voice said, that he had never had a chicken-killing dog. Mrs. Whirlpool left him abruptly. 
She could not shake the feeling that if it were not for Mr. White, Lady would not have been identified as the dog killing the chicken. She wouldn't dared briefly if Mr. White had recklessly blamed Lady because they were city folk, and then thought, no, no, man around here would bear false witness against the dog. When she entered the grocery store, it was almost empty. There was a man at the hardware counter and another man leaving against, leaning against the meat counter to Mr. Kidridge, the grocer. When Mr. Kidridge saw Mrs. Whirlpool coming, he called across the store, Morning, Mrs. Whirlpool, fine day. Lovely, Mrs. Whirlpool said, and the grocer said, Bad luck about that dog. I don't know what to do about it, Mrs. Whirlpool said, and the man talking to the grocer looked at her recklessly and then backed at the grocer. Killed three chickens up to hares this morning, the grocer said to the man, and the man nodded seamlessly and said, Heard about that. Mrs. Whirlpool came across to the meat counter and said, Mrs. Nash said, would, Mrs. Nash said, would you save her a pot? A roast of pork. She'll be down later to get it. Gone up that way, the man staring at what the grocer said. Drop it off. Right, the grocer said. The man looked at Mrs. Whirlpool. Gonna have to shoot him, I guess. I hope not, Mrs. Whirlpool said earnestly. We're all so fond of the dog. The man and the grocer looked at one another for a minute, and the grocer said responsibly, won't do to have a dog going around killing chickens, Mrs. Whirlpool. First thing you know, the man said, you'll put a load of buckshot into him. He won't come home no more, he and the grocer both laughed. Isn't there any way to cure the dog, Mrs. Whirlpool asked. Tie a dead chicken around its neck, the grocer suggested. That might do. Heard of a man that did that, the other man said. Did it help, Mrs. Whirlplast? The man shook his head slowly with determination. You know, the grocer said. He leaned his elbow on the meat counter. He was a great talker, you know, he said. Again, my father had a dog once. Used to eat eggs. Got into the chicken house and used to break the egg open and lick the up. Used to eat a bunch, half the eggs we got. That's a bad business, the other man said. Dog eating eggs. Mrs. The grocer said in confirmation of Mrs. Warpool. Here, half his eggs were getting up. Let my father couldn't stand it no more. Here, half his eggs were getting eaten, the grocer said. So he took the eggs once, set them on the back of the stove for two to three days till the egg got good and ripe, good, hot, through. And that egg smelled pretty bad. Then I was there. By 12, 13 years old, he called the dog one day and the dog came running. Uh, so I held the dog and my daddy draw, opened the dog's mouth and put in the egg and red hot and smelling to heaven. And then he held the dog's mouth closed so the dog couldn't get rid of the egg anyway except swallow it. The grocer left and shook his head remissly. But that dog never ate 
another egg, the man said. Never touched another egg, the grocer said firmly. You put an egg down in front of that dog, he runs through. The, was, the devil was after him. But how did he feel about you, Mrs. Whirlpool asked. Did he ever come near you again? The grocer and the other man both looked at each other. How do you mean, the grocer said. Did he ever like you again? Well, the grocer said and thought, no, he said. Finally, I don't believe you could say he's ever did. Not much of the dog, though. There's one thing you ought to try, the other man said suddenly to Mrs. Whirlpool. You want to cure the, cure the do that dog? That's one thing you ought to... Oh. I lost myself. Okay. One thing you ought to try. What's that, Mrs. Whirlpool said. You want to take the dog, the man said, leaning forward and gesturing with one hand. Take him, put him in a pen with a mother hen's got chickens to protect. Time she's through with him, he won't never chase another chicken. The grocer began to laugh, and Mr. Whirlpool, Mrs. Whirlpool looked willfuler from the grocer to the other man who looking at her without a smile. His eyes wider and yellow, let's like a cat's. What should happen? She asked uncertainly. Scratch his eyes out, the grocer said, sulkily. He would never be able to see another chicken. Mrs. Whirlpool realized that she felt faint, smiling over her away from the meat counter and down to the other end of the store. The grocer continued talking to the man behind the side, behind the meat counter, and after a minute, Mrs. Whirlpool went outside into the air. She decided that she would go home and lie down until nearly lunchtime and do her shopping. Oh boy. I lost my place. I'm so sorry. Okay. Found it again and do her shopping later in the day. At home, she found that she could not lie down until the breakfast table was clean and the dishes washed, and by the time she had done that, it was almost time to start lunch. She sharp crossed the sunlight in the doorway, and she realized that Lady was home. For a minute, she stood still, watching Lady. The dog came in quietly, harmlessly, as though she had spent the morning frogging on the grass with her friends, but there were spots of blood on her legs. And she drank her water eagerly. Mrs. Whirlpool finished and Pulse was to scold her, to hold her down and beat her for the deliberate masculine pain she had inflicted the murderous portrayal of a pretty dog-like lady could keep so well hidden in her home. Then Mrs. Whirlpool, watching Lady go quickly and settle down in her usual spot by the stove, turned helplessly and took the first cans she found from the pantry shelf and brought them into the kitchen. Lady sat quietly by the stove until the children came noiselessly for lunch. Then she leaped up and jumped on them, welcoming them as though they were the aliens and she was the...
native to the house. Judy pulled Lady's ear. Said, Hello, Mama. Do you know what Lady did? You're a bad dog. Said, she said to Lady, You're going to get shot. Mrs. Whirlpool fell thin again and sent a dish down hastily on the table. Judy Whirlpool, she said. She is, Mom, Judy said. She's going to get shot. Children don't realize Mrs. Warpole told herself death is never real to them. Try to be sensible, she told herself. Sit down to lunch, children, she said quietly. But Mother Judy said, and Jack said, She is, Mom. They sat down noiselessly, unfolding their un napkins and attending, attacking their food without looking at it, eager to talk. You know what Mr. Sharp said, Mom? Jack demanded his mouthful. Listen, Judy said. We'll tell you what he did. Well, I hope you all enjoyed this book. It is by Shirley Daxon. It's called The Lottery and Other Stories. Introduction by A.M. Holmes. Shirley Jackson. Stories are among the most terrifying ever written. Donna Tart. Dark and nightmarish Shirley Jackson's short stories represent a nigger and even powerful gear upon themselves. The latter remains one of the most terrifying stories ever published, all more so for its lucrative convincing realism and one of the most controversial. It has become an established classic of American fiction. This selection of Jackson stories, the only collection to be published during her lifetime, showcased a true master of the higher of her haunting powers. I like Shirley Jackson. She might be one of my new favorite scary story writers. Of course, my favorites are Edgar Allan Poe and Stephen King, but she's getting up there. Emily Dickerson, Dickerson is pretty good too, but I like Shirley Jackson. She's going to be one of my favorite authors. I hope you'll check it out. Check out my Patreon to hear the end of this story. I hope y'all enjoy. Have a great weekend. And have a great Mother's Day. Okie dokie, artichoke. It's time for an ad break slash sponsor. So I hope y'all listen and keep on tuning in. Because we will continue this conversation after our ad slash sponsor. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast today. And the sponsor and ad will be right back. I hope y'all enjoy this podcast. Please stay tuned because the ad is coming up soon. And with the ad coming up soon, I know y'all might want to skip it, but you should at least try to listen to some of it. Maybe it's important. I hope y'all tune back in for more of this podcast. And I hope the ad and sponsor is a good one, Artichokey. Okay, dokey, Artichokey. Ad break is now. I hope you all like. You can check me out on Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. I also have another podcast. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast. Bye for now. Over and out.